Good morning. This is Michael Stoller, host of the Stoller Real Estate Report on the Cats Roundtable. Today, I'm very lucky to have my friend David Sheckman, who is the Senior Executive Managing Director, big title over here, at Meridian Investment Sales. And I've known David for many years. He's been a leader. And I'm not sure David is optimistic or pessimistic. So we're going to get his views on the state of the investment sales market, the state of the financing market, and what's really happening. Michael, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to be with you and to be on uh, Cat's Roundtable. It's not a question of being optimistic or pessimistic these days. I think it's a question of being pragmatic. Um, certainly, we're in a cycle of disruption across asset classes in the tri-state and nationally. Uh, but anytime there is volatility or disruption, opportunity uh, lies therein. So I think as a general thesis with rising interest rates and fundamentals for some sectors with uh, vacancy and, and you know leasing rates going down, there's going to be some trouble. Uh, but one man's trouble uh, or one person's trouble, better said, is somebody else's opportunity. But when you and I were talking the other day, we focused on the fact that banks aren't giving out money. Banks are not really lending money because the numbers don't make sense. Well, I think that's right. I, I think that's right in the sense that banks aren't the, you know, the spigot is not as wide open as it once was. We're coming off nearly a decade of record low interest rates in the commercial real estate world. I think that most lenders today still have sufficient cash, cash reserves to put money out. But what you're going to see is, is something that I candidly haven't seen in, in the 23 years uh, that I've been in the business You've got declining fundamentals and uh, declining sentiment uh, crashing right into changes in technology, how we shop, how we live, how we office, and that's going to be coupled with astronomic rises in interest rates. If you think about it, there are multifamily apartment houses all over the country and certainly all over New York where those five, seven, and 10-year loans are coming due today. And the buildings may be moving along swimmingly well, but the prevailing interest rates were in the 3 to 3.5% range over the past five years. Upon maturity, those same borrowers who've done everything right and may have a, a perfectly competent building are going to go be seeking that same replacement debt, and those rates could be 6, 6.5, 7 plus percent. So if you think about the amount of cash flow that comes from a building just to service debt, in most instances, you're going to need 70 to 100% more cash flow just to maintain your mortgage. So where do, we, where do we get this additional cash flow? Do we get it out of the sky? I mean, how do you get the cash flow? Well, New York's an interesting place. And that's uh, the market I really want to focus on right now. So focusing on, on, on that and, and, you know, Clearly, we're going to want to talk about the moniker of distress, which everybody is looking for in down markets, bankruptcy, note sales, foreclosures, dissolutions. They're here. Uh, we've been saying since 2019 in the residential sector that the changes to law uh, would spur defaults. Then with the pandemic, we were certain defaults would come. And now with the rising interest rates, they finally arrived. So there are some folks who, for instance, will have a $100 million office building with $65 million worth of debt, and they may have lost 20 30% of their tenants. If they've got to come up with $65 million, and that $65 million is going to cost them millions more every year, if they don't have the money to reach into their own pockets and pay just to keep their own buildings, 
you may see those buildings change hands. And by change hands, you may see rescue capital in the form of uh, new partnerships, or you may see dissolutions, bankruptcies, and foreclosures. And um, you know, certainly as, as a real estate uh, broker uh, at a firm that, that does tens of billions of dollars every year, I certainly don't want to see anybody who's doing everything right lose their buildings. But as somebody who uh, holds themselves out as a, a bankruptcy expert, I've been waiting for this. What goes up must come down, and it's certainly going to come down and come down hard. Now, we were talking the other day with regard to uh, note sales. Let's talk about that and with how banks are reacting. Well, you know, when you talk about note sales to the neophyte, uh, you think that's just as simple as uh, a borrower has a problem. Uh, there may be a default. I'm going to go and buy the mortgage from the bank, and I'm going to take over the building. That couldn't be more wrong. What you're doing when you're buying a note is you're essentially stepping into the shoes of the bank. And the problem with note sales this cycle is a lot of these banks um, have not begun foreclosure proceedings. So in a jurisdiction like New York, let's say you're buying a $100 million mortgage from a bank, and they may have just, um, that mortgage is in default because the borrower can't pay anymore. We call that a monetary or non-payment uh, issue. If you're going to step in the shoes of the bank, in order for you to get the keys, it may take you a year or two, perhaps three in foreclosure, maybe with a detour through bankruptcy, and you're going to be buying yourself a litigation. And a lot of people believe that they want to invest in those markets, but you better have a heck of a lot of capital, a heck of a lot of lawyers, and a heck of a lot of know-how. It really is a niche field. But when you're talking about product, the product is here. And what, what about the product of new of people buying existing multifamily? Well, look, you know, multifamily is each asset class has its nuances, but multifamily, you have to remember, people need to live somewhere. We used to say people need a place to go to work, but we know that the evolution of technology and the pandemic really, you know, shine the light on how we office. So I don't know that that's as bulletproof as it once was. When it comes to apartments, sure, not everybody needs a five, ten, or fifteen thousand dollar a month penthouse, but certainly uh, in New York City, for two, three, four, five thousand a month, when you which you consider entry level apartments, they're going to continue to flourish. I do think, however, the financials need to be jiggered; they need to be adjusted. What about the market rate, the stabilization, and rent? Can Rent control. Well, rent control was well-intentioned when it was uh, employed in the early 1970s, if memory serves. It was there to protect folks who had spent years in neighborhoods, and, and it was to avoid uh, market rate and increasing yuppifying neighborhoods. It's a necessary uh, mechanism, but it's been abused over the years. And now, candidly, it's a castigatory system, which is hurting the very landlords who are doing right by their tenants. I think rent control was perceived in the early 2000s up until probably 2017 or 2018 as an opportunity for people to go in, whether it's an institution or a private owner, buy a, an apartment house, work with the tenants to perhaps buy them out or relocate them as the neighborhoods, um, I, I'm trying to avoid, say, the word gentrify, but as they started to attract different tenants, and that rent stabilization was nothing but upside. 
these days with the 2019 laws that were implemented, um, I think that rent stabilization is um, kind of verboten. It's something that people want to stay away from. What about hospitality assets? Hospitality at this point has no place to go but up. If you look at it, and we're involved in several hotel sales and valuations, it, uh, it, hospitality comes down to occupancy, an average daily rate. And occupancy saw a, a 50-year low in 2020 and 21 for, for uh, various reasons. Those who are able to hold on to their hotels and other forms of lodging, I think that they have smoother waters in front of us, uh, provided we can take care of crime in this city. Yeah. Last week, I had Joe Farkas, and we were talking about industrial. What's your thoughts about industrial? Well, Joe Farkas would certainly know about it. He's been a pioneer in the industry. Um, I think Joe commented last week that ultimately the world's not getting slower. It's getting faster. And what was once warehouses on I-95 to distribute all over to points north and east and south has now become warehouses just a couple thousand feet from your homes. I think ultimately industrial is is going to be a major force going forward and a major profit source. But I think some of the poorly conceived projects, perhaps multi-level warehousing or uh, warehouses that aren't as well accessed, I think market fundamentals will will separate the wheat from the chaff. Final question. 2023, a good year or a bad year? I, I don't have my crystal apple in front of me. Well, Michael, I think 2023 is going to be a year of uh, dislocation. I think at the end of this year, you're going to see a huge column of winners, and I think it's probably going to be an equally sized column of unfortunate losers. David, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure.